Well, welcome along to another Forever Blue podcast. My name is Ian Cheeseman and this podcast is called Forever Blue. It's free to subscribe. So uh, if you've not already subscribed and you like what you hear, then click the subscribe button. Same, by the way, for the YouTube channel Forever Blue. Um, It's free to subscribe. There's a little bell icon. And if you click that, it's all free. It's all free. Then it means that you get notified every time a video goes up. Um, We're, of course, a Manchester City podcast. Uh, and we'll be talking about all things City uh, the day after City beat Liverpool by four goals to one and counting down to some momentous games to come uh, in this month of April. Uh, first thing I have to do is thank Howard Solicitors in Ashton and Stockport. And when I say have to, I do it with pleasure because they support this particular podcast. Uh, they specialise in personal injury claims on a no-win, no-fee basis. So if you've had an accident... That wasn't your fault, give them a shout, and they'll hopefully be able to help you. 0161 872 9999, or you can email law at howardsolicitors.com. They do a lot more than just those types of claims, so have a look at their website, which is simply howardsolicitors.com. Now, I've got three great guests today, and uh, they don't come much better, actually, than the three that we've got on today. Uh, we have, first of all, former City player, captain, leader, the man who turned the ship around when we were sinking to oblivion, grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and dragged us back up into the higher echelons of football and look where City are today. So without this man, Andy Morrison, we would not be where we are today. So first of all, thank you, Andy. And it's always a joy to have you on the podcast. So thanks a lot. Also, we have uh, two of our regulars, uh, Toby um, and Paul, Prestige Paul, as we call him. Who um, is one of the three lads that I travel to European games with as well. So um, we, we get to find out all the uh, the gossip when we travel abroad, which we will do a couple of weeks from now, three weeks from now, whatever it is. So that's the lineup tonight. We've got to start, of course, by looking back on the Liverpool game, uh, which was extraordinary. I thought there were some great performances in there. You sat at the ground watching it, not too far away from where I was, Andy. Give us your verdict on on that performance. How good was it? It was very good. Um, exceptional, probably one of the strongest performances for a long time for me. Um, I wasn't impressed with Liverpool. Um, you know, it's just doesn't, it's not the powerhouse that they were. I just see, I mean, Harvey Elliott is a young lad that's going to come through. I think I thought they lacked legs um, and <clears throat> they're just not the force they were. But in saying that, um, you know, we were very, very good, even, you know, to go 1 0 down because we do, we, we, the way City play, you will concede chances against Liverpool. Um, and they took one, but, you know, I mean, it was just, it was, I mean, I think Pep spoke about it last night. It was almost a perfect performance, apart from a goal conceded. And the rotations, the way they moved the ball, the way they kept it, the way they totally dominated with two sixes and two tens in possession of the ball with a back three. Um, they, they were exceptional. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a procession, you know, from 3-1 on. Um, it looked like any time they could have opened them up. And Liverpool were really, they were lost. Um, and I think a lot of the players would have gone away from it. Liverpool players thinking we're miles off, miles off City. Um, because, you know, the, the gap was, although although Liverpool played slightly different when they were at their best to City, the gap was close, you know, and it was hard fought to um, to get a victory where yesterday it seemed very, very simple and very easy for City. 
I mean, I was watching United against uh, Newcastle today, uh, which is third versus fourth in the Premier League, and thinking these two are a million miles away from what I was watching City doing yesterday. Uh, and trying to sort of, in my own mind, work out what it was. And I know we can talk about tactics, we can talk about individuals, but surely it's, it's about the speed of the movement of the ball. Every decision seems to be the right decision by the player. I mean, I was watching Gundogan yesterday, Andy, and, you know, it's, I, I, I'm picking him out at the moment. We could have picked any player out. But Gundogan, and I'm thinking, not only does he see the right pass and make the right pass, he plays it to the right side of the receiving player so that their next pass is easier. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm sort of staggered, really, by the, the quality of the thinking of the players. Is it all down to Pep? Is it just down to the individual players? I think it's, it's down to their talent, but it's also, you know, in Pep coaxing it out of them and, and finding just how good they actually are um, with the coaching methods and the information that they're given, the detail. And as you've just said, the detail is in the pass, the weight of the pass, what side it is, the angle of the ball whether it's rotating left to right or the curvature on the board makes the next moment different. And that's the detail um, of, of Pep and, um, you know, Gundogan. I mean, Bernardo Silva has different qualities to, to um, David, um, sorry, to, to De Bruyne and Gundogan. And Gundogan has different qualities. They're all different in their ways and they're not the same. Um, Bernardo Silva carries the ball different to, to De Bruyne, to, you know, to, it's just such a mixture of different qualities. And I was asked yesterday um, if, you know, can Liverpool beat City? And I said, and this was in an interview before the game, if City are at their best, they can't be beat. And I believe that if they're like that against Bayern, at their very best, they will win. But, you know, on a few, on a few occasions this year, more than in the last few seasons, we haven't been at our best. And when we haven't, we've been punished and we haven't got the result. And sometimes a bit of magic, something, you know, out of the ordinary can get you through a game. And it's a few occasions this year where, and hence why, there's that eight-point gap. Um, but I, I believe that if they're at their best, they're unstoppable and nobody can live with them. And I thought yesterday, for large periods of the game, they were so, so good and that no team on the planet could have stayed with them yesterday. You're right to single out the differences in those players because they are all truly great individual players. And Grealish offers something completely different again on the other side. Mares has a, a certain tricks and, and a magnificent abilities that he's got. But there is still something about the way that they play as a team. Because, you know, you watch Newcastle, you watch United and you think they have got individuals who can do things, but they don't play in a team like City do. Is that the difference? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's how they're encouraged to play. They dominate the ball. I think if you've got teams of equal quality, um, technically, I think it's a team who, who look after the ball the best will come out on top. And City do. You know, they dominate the ball. Um, you know, Liverpool's power was their running. Um, they covered the ground and, you know, when they're front three, they could go back to front with a different kind of problem. But it, if you haven't got that energy... Um, then City will dominate you. And, you know, and that was so evident yesterday. And, you know, every team are trying to close the gap uh, and become more possession-based to stay in the game and dominate the game. And, um, but they're not getting, for me, they're not getting close to the way that, that City do it. They're, uh, it, I, you know, it has to come off the training ground to be as precise 
as it is and the way it was yesterday with the role that John Stones played and there's so much detail there Ian you know you could we could have a we could have a two-hour tactical session here with a board and I could show you why and where the problems that Liverpool have got with um, Gundogan and De Bruyne advanced in between the centre out and the fullback so so the fullbacks can't go wide and stop Mares. So they can't go wide and stop Grealish on their first touch. That's why when we play a, against a five, it nullifies them wide men a little bit more because they're now they can't receive the ball without being impacted. Where yesterday, those pockets that they find in between, the fullback has to tuck in to try and deal with De Bruyne in that pocket. Which then you get the switch, which we did in the centre in the second half. You get that early switch out, and then you've got. It's there's so much detail. If, if it goes too early, then Jota is able to double up or Henderson can get across. But if you can suck them into different areas, then when you do go long, they're one-on-one. And, and Mara's running at you one-on-one. You know, I fall off my seat two or three times a game just watching him, the drop of the shoulder and then the way he rolls the ball. It's phenomenal. And it's it, it, honestly, it's a science watching it. There's so much detail that goes in there. There's runs that you're doing not to get the ball purely to move somebody, to create a passing line into somebody else. And, you know, I think everyone is aspiring to try and get to that level. Um, And when we see pitch side, we know that we're still not there. You know, the perfect, he spoke about it yesterday. We're talking about, can we win the title that somebody asked him yesterday? And he just merely said that the the players are doing, they're at the top of their game. That's all I want. Everything else will take care of itself. And it's, you know, it's great to see. Just before I bring the other two in and we open up the debate a little bit more, you mentioned John Stones there. You were a centre-back yourself. Can you imagine uh, playing the role that John Stones does now? I mean, I, I certainly feel as if he's improved a lot in the last year or two, and now he's showing a completely different side of his game. Uh, that must blow your mind as a centre-back. That's not decrying you or your performances, but to see a centre-back do that is amazing, isn't it? It is. But again, the information, all he is, is a pivot for one of the three to bounce a ball in, then to change the angle. So you'll never see him turn out and hit a 40-yard diagonal in behind. He won't slip somebody down the side like De Bruyne does. All he is, is to give a pivot so that they can go in, pull in somebody, you know, suck a player in to create space behind and then move the ball again. And he just keeps the ball moving. He keeps the ball moving. He moves it left to right. He makes himself available. If he can get on the half turn, his next ball then is into one of the tens. If he can't get on the half turn because he's marked, that means that one of their midfielders has been pulled out of a space. So there's other areas to play. And it's it's finely tuned. But Rodri's role is different to, um, to, to John Stones. You know, we were seeing when Rico was in there. You basically just give me a wall pass so that we can get out and... Um, and it is, it's, listen, it's great. He's reinventing football again, you know, continually reinventing and the problems that the opposition managers are finding because they'll find, top coaches will find a solution to the problem, how to try and nullify. Again, I'll say it, I, I, I've not really looked at detail when we come up against the five, why that, you know, where the problems are there because they've got to find another solution because their wing backs are locked onto our wide men, which basically nullifies them. So there's going to be space elsewhere and they'll have worked on that. They'll have a preparation that if a team switched to a five or they went this way, okay, this is where the spaces are. This is where we can affect them in between the lines. This is your roles now, how they change. And yesterday, the way they went from left to right. So whenever Liverpool tried to compact the middle, 
to stop them little balls in. Then we got down the sides of them on the outside. Every time they split out to try and stop them balls, we then played through the middle of them in little pockets. And it was just like it was an orchestra, a fine orchestra at play yesterday. And it was one of the one of the best as a coach. Somebody watches it. It was one of the finest games I've ever seen in how City did it and how they went about demolishing a good Liverpool team. It was it was magical. It's lovely to hear you purring like that. I think that's the, the word I'd use, Andy. It's an absolute joy to listen to you talking like that. Let's get the the, the less um, you know, experienced. I, I, I can hear you laughing, Paul. That is not meant in any way detrimental. But you, me, Toby, we're just normal fans. We're not coaches. We're not players. You know, what, what, what's your, what, what was your enjoyment of watching that, Paul? Um, stuff in Liverpool. To be honest, yeah, we're back round to the bones of it now. It's, um, I mean, you know where I stand. I stand next to the, uh, I stand on the seg line in block block one eleven, and um, I've got to say this yesterday. They, I know there's this myth about the uh, the Liverpool uh, fans are fantastic and they just sing from start to finish. What a load of nonsense that was yesterday. They they sang a little bit when they scored. Uh, and then we just we we went into overdrive, and I'll tell you they were leaving. People talking leaving on seventy minutes. They were going before that. They were going before that, and I've never seen honestly the worst away fans um, all season. They they were done. Um, the, the the fans I think reflected what the the the, the team on the pitch were doing. Um, they were just absolutely mesmerised, gobsmacked, and thought. How can we compete with this? We're miles away. How, how have we, for the last sort of three seasons, if you like, competed and pushed these into a point on the last game of the season and be so far off? And I think, I, I think the, the, the actual realisation sunk home yesterday that, you know, they're not what they should be. They're not where they want to be. Um, and we've, we did them. We destroyed Liverpool yesterday on and off the field. We got in the heads and we we did him. And I tell you what, I sound like Kevin Keegan now. It was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I've not even got my voice back yet. I was singing and shouting that much. It was ace. What was it like from your perspective, Toby? No, it was great. Uh, I don't think much, I didn't think um, I haven't got my voice back much either. Um, but from I didn't think anything would top that six three earlier in the season against United and talk about some of the worst away fans for well, the United fans were leaving at half time in that one but um no that 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 was incredible I mean uh, I mean both both of the, both the guys have said it from where we were competing with them going toe to toe 90 97 98 points 92 93 points whatever it was absolutely all out to where they are now it is just there is such a gap um I, I could pick out any of our players yesterday. It was an incredible performance. When I saw the lineup, and you think Ake against Salah and Stones um, against uh, Gakpo Jota at the time when I didn't know who it was going to be and the way they played, but um, I was a bit worried about that. But it was just insane. I mean, John Stones is an inventive fullback. It's just, you wouldn't even imagine it. But only he, only Pep would would, would do it. And it is, inc- and he played so well. Um, and, and it was clear from, 
10 minutes in that we that how that game was going to go, that we were going to dominate, we were going to play our game, um, just like we did at Anfield, by the way. Um, and it was clear that Liverpool had one tactic. They knew that we were going to do that. They knew we were going to dominate. They knew we were going to have the ball. And they were happy to let us have that, I think. And all they were going to do was get the ball back, play the long ball to Salah and go. And that's what happened. And that's what happened at Anfield earlier in the season. And that's what they were playing for. And when they went one nil up, I thought, I bet Klopp was sitting there thinking, right, OK, we've got, we've got, we're doing this exactly the same thing. Um, but we, but, but even at one nil down, I sat there and I went, we're not out. This isn't, you know, we, we looked a little bit rattled for about five minutes, needed to get our confidence back. But after that... Uh, it, it was it was incredible. It was such a great performance. The one I'm <clears throat> the one I'm so happy for out of all of them is Jack because there was that there was that when we one nil down there was that moment where Salah was in and he sprinted seventy eight yards back and he stopped and he, he he intercepted the pass that was going to go to Jota and that for me would have been two 0 So that for that for me just that was that was the start of his really good performance. But then the rest of it he was. I mean, Trent's not a good defender, in my opinion. He, he's a great player, but he just cannot defend at all. But but Jack ran ran circles around him yesterday. What is it? I think it was a goal assist he got. It might have been a two assists. I can't remember now. It was such a blur. But he was an incre- incredible performance. Mahrez, best first touch in the world. Uh, and then, as Andy says, that those dazzling feet... I, I honestly and, and you know we sat there before the game no Haaland even, not even in the squad he's sitting in the box and, and you go oh okay but Julian Alvarez World Cup we replace replace Haaland with a World Cup winner who scores the equaliser and yeah it was such it was amazing and and some something about that fixture I love beating United but something about that fixture and I think it's the 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 uh, rivalry we've had over the, with them over the last few years where it has been that sort of edge to edge point by point and it is that one point gap that just makes it feel so much better Obviously, um, everybody's giddy at the moment um, on the basis that City are playing so well and certainly played on so well in that game. When you look at this month to come now, do you look at Bayern Munich and, and feel quite confident about it? Um, you know, there is uh, there's also the visit of Arsenal this month, which clearly is a, a must-win game for City. They did it down at the Emirates Stadium. In a slightly different way than normal, actually, I felt in the second half City played a little bit on the counter attack, which is very unusual for City, uh, but but it worked perfectly. Um, do, do you do you feel as if now this is all about hitting the rich vein of form? And the other thing I'll I'll throw into this is that City were missing arguably their two best players. I mean, obviously we can debate who the best players are, but Haaland and certainly Bernardo Silva is, is a favourite of mine. And yet it didn't seem to make an awful lot of difference because it's all it seems to me to hinge on the way City play under Pep Guardiola and not always the personnel. Because when I look at the team sheet now. No matter what eleven is selected, I don't. I don't have any anxiety. I just think, well, he'll know what he's doing, Pep. You know, and so it proved to be. Um, what was your confidence level, Andy, on you know going into this huge month that City have got? See, I'm always confident, but I'm always, you know, I'm naturally a pessimist. I, I always have been, and you know, I look at the opposition team, and then I I get a feeling for that, and then you go into the game, and that kind of disappears, but. You know, leading into games, and then I look at it and reflect afterwards, and we still can we still can see. So it, it's we're seeking perfection, and Pep is, and the perfection is when the the build up play has been built, then you have the blocks in place for the counter attack. So you're not going to get exposed, and that's when it's perfect. 
So you're perfectly moving the ball to create an opportunity and then people arriving at the right time. But then everything's into play. You never see us once. You very rarely see us win the ball back and then penetrate down the right-hand side and something come on the end of that. We'll go down the right-hand side, we'll come out. And as we come out and move the ball, they will then create blocks. And you're building as you're, you're, you're building up the pitch so that when you have your final moment and it breaks down, everyone's positioned perfectly. And we're not quite there on that on the transition. We're still slightly open, which happened two or three times yesterday. And against a Bayern Munich, or you know, we progress against Real Madrid, we will get punished. Um, you know, and I'm mindful that to score four goals last season at home in a semi-final and not go through, we're not getting something right in them big games. For me, I'm happy to go, as you said, against Arsenal and go into a deep block. But it's impossible for City to do that the way they play. If it's at 3-0, they're always trying to get the fourth goal. So you're 2-0 up from Manchester City. You're trying to score the third goal. So we got the opposition pinned in. So the only way they can do is hurt us on the counter. But as long as we get everything in place, ready for when it does turn over that centre after on the outside shoulder on that channel and we're pinning people in and the opposite wide man's into a good position, everything's fine. But we're still not quite right at that at the minute and that's my only worry because these top teams um it's in their dna you know it's in their dna look what real madrid did last year you know with, with chelsea with us all these games there's something in their dna which produces on the big stage but if we're at our very best and when i say we're at our very best we're at that rhythmical harmony we had yesterday but we're also solid Diaz is the best at communicating. He, um, I don't think we see the same. John Stones is as well, but Akanji, Aki and Laporte don't organise out of possession the same way as Diaz does. Diaz is the best at it. He has everybody pulling everything around so that if it does break down, the what happened, you know, what next sort of thing, what ifs, he's excellent at, at sorting that out. So if we get that right, and then we carry on playing like we did yesterday, we will be unstoppable against any team. And that's whether it's Arsenal, Madrid, Bayern, they can't beat us. Um, but there's a lot of detail in there. And I'm sure Pep's aware of it as well. Well, you're in full flow. I've got to ask you this, Andy, because, we, we, you know, all four of us were at the game yesterday. So we have the privilege from wherever we watch the game of seeing or being capable of seeing the whole pitch in one view. And so therefore... The things that you've been talking about, which is, you know, the way that the team goes forward, but the players behind them are always effectively covering the potential breakaway. is something that if you're watching it on TV, I know nowadays they do tend to sometimes show the game from a slightly wider angle, but there's still yeah. a lot of close-ups and you still feel as if you're looking through a letterbox when you're watching the game sometimes. Just for the purposes of the people who watch on TV, and there are a lot of people, I've no doubt, who listen to this podcast who live in other countries and don't have the privilege that we have to go and watch the games. Just tell us a little, just explain a little bit about how that works. You know, what 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 is going through the minds of Akanji and Ruben Diaz and, and John Stones and Rodri and Ake or whoever's playing at the back there to make sure that they're, it sounds, in my mind, it seems quite simple, they slide across or whatever, but I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit more complicated than that, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's obviously, you know, when, when you're that final moment, when, you know, you that final pass, the timing of that pass, the movement, you want people arriving in the box at the right time, you want the edge of the box boxed off, and then if they do have a striker up, whatever you want, you know, if say we're Jack's going down the left-hand side and coming inside, then you want your left-sided centre-half 
on the in, on the outside shoulder, pinning them in, and your opposite centre half tucked in. So there's nowhere for them to get out. They can't get into feet. If they go over the top, we're back out. But like I say, Diaz is communicating that all the time. It's something I did purely down to a lack of pace. So I wanted to know that everything was secure around me, that I'm not going to get exposed. And that's a huge that's a huge part of the game. Um, and you know, we 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 build up, and you'll see where in the old days, you know, when I played or even before Pe Pep came in, you get a counter-attack and, for instance, De Bruyne is carrying the ball and, you he, you know, he would try and play a, a ball through. He'll now turn out and play a ball backwards, whereas a fan, you're going, it was an opportunity, but the, it's like a 5 or 6% chance that you might get somebody in, but you'll lose the ball. So he comes back out, say he goes to Mares, Mares comes back to Walker, they go back out. And when they're going out the other side, Mares is bring themselves into a position where if it does break down, we've got them pinned in. They'll come back out again and then it'll be a trigger. And I don't know what the trigger is because I'm not privy to it, but there'll be a trigger where now we're set. Right now, Jack, get at him one-on-one. -on -one. Now get at him. If it goes into the box, if we try and find Haaland and they head the ball out, we'll pick up the next ball with Rodri. But that is a process that's built. It just doesn't happen on the turnover. And, and it takes time. And I, and I noticed it yesterday when we went too early to Mares. Jota was able to get across and double up on Maris on the same on the other side with Jack. When we got the extra pass in, which then moves one of them and sucks him into a say, say De Bruyne finds a pocket and they Jota or Henderson has to go in there. We move it again. Now bang, we go wide quick. Now we've got the one-on-one. -on -one. And it's it, it's brilliant to see because you can see how and I think all the other coaches that come, they you know, they're asked, they must aspire, must be their motive to, to do that because. You have to be able to move the ball. There's no point having De Bruyne and Gundogan and them advanced positions if you're going to go straight to Haaland. So you've got to then have good centre out so you can keep the ball. And we do. And the way I see it, and the best way I can describe it is they're like matadors. Our centre outs are like matadors. They're, they're taunting the bull with a with a red rug to try and get them to come out. Come out. And that's why you're like, we're all holding our breath. And that's where the courage comes from, from them to be that composed that at the final second, they'll release the ball where if they get it wrong, they're in on our goal. But they, they pull them out, they taunt them to come out. And when they come out and they move it quickly, there's the space. And the courage that they have, that, that's where most of my respect comes from them because it, you've got to be so brave. And John Stone does it really well. He moves the ball well. I think, listen, I don't want to talk, to, but when I think when, when Kyle Walker's in there, or he goes into that advanced role because when we play the four and John Stones goes in and makes the three and then they become a three, it's perfect, isn't it? You've got Aki, you've got Diaz, you've got Akanji. It's a brilliant three. But if Kyle's in there, he's not as good at them at that last moment of moving the ball. He moves it too quick. If you move it too quick, then they don't get the distances. I'm going on and on. I'm going into real detail here, but you know, I'm seeing what they're doing and that's got to be worked on the training ground. And it takes incredible courage. You know me, and I, I head a ball, kick a ball, go and win, be brave. That courage they show under that pressure. Rodri, it's phenomenal. There's three or ball, four balls come into him yesterday. If he doesn't, if he's not meticulous with his first touch and his awareness, they're in on goal. And yet he's continually asking for the ball in these tight areas. And they're just so, so talented and so good. And they're encouraged by the manager. And if they make a mistake, he'll take it himself, not them. It's, it's like I say, I'm waxing lyrical because it was so, so good yesterday. They tore Liverpool to bits.
Well, thanks for waxing lyrical. I mean, I don't know if these two, I'm sure, are enjoying this as much as I am listening to, to this insight, really, because we don't have this insight. And You'll see it next to... time, next game. You'll be at it. You'll be seeing, I can see why he's doing that. That's Don't go yeah. past it too early. Pull him out of that pocket. All these little game things that are going on in the game. Um, it's great. It's lovely to hear this as well, because that must have been what it's like being in the dressing room with Andy Morrison, isn't it, Paul? No, I've... I've... You know, you know what, right? What makes me laugh is when you listen to Andy there, and I, I was as mesmerised by what Andy was saying then as I was yesterday watching. And you, you, you listen to people on social media going like, "Oh, he was rubbish, and he's rubbish, and well, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that?" Just watch this podcast and listen to what Andy's just said. That's why he didn't do it, and that's why these muppets on social media and football managers at any level, never mind. A level what Pep's at. Um, it is, it's mesmerizing football. And I must admit that, you know, um, Pep, Pep not only picks players that are, are technically gifted enough to be able to, 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 to understand what Andy's just said, basically, um, but they're gifted enough to be able to do that. But they're also players that will, the team players that will fit in. They're happy to sit on the bench. And if they're not, he gets rid. You know, if they create waves in the club, he gets rid. He wants a team because the team has to be able to do exactly what he wants. And when you've got instructions, you know, it's not just a case of like, you know, the, the defender gets the ball and it's, you know, oof it upfield and, you know, as um, as Peter Kay, you know, oof it, have it. It's not that anymore. It's, 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 it's sophisticated football. And when you go to the games and watch them live, you see what Andy's talking about. You know, it's it's a whole new picture, and it's I, I, it's just mesmerising to watch. We're, City are by far the best team in that league. Um, Arsenal have been lucky either side of the the World Cup, I guess, um, and caught us a little bit raw before the before the World Cup and a bit after it. But I watched City play and I watched Arsenal play. We're miles ahead of them. Miles ahead of them. They've had the rubs of the green. Again, yes, he would have dodgy penalty. We, we, we just, we me, me, I keep saying the word mesmerising because that's what it is. To be fair, I've been impressed by Arsenal this season and, and, I, and it makes me wonder how much Arteta has been, tu, you know, tutored by uh, Pep. And you can see the influence, you can see Zinchenko's reading the game to me from the education he's had at City. Yeah. I mean, I respect what you say, Paul, but I mean, I, it seemed a clear enough penalty to me. I mean, let, let's bring Toby in here. I mean, uh, obviously, it, it's going to be a straight fight between City and Arsenal. Um, they've still got to go to Anfield. They've still got to go to Newcastle. They've still got to go to the Etihad, although City have still got to Brighton and Brentford. You know, it's not all... Mm. You can't just take these games for granted. I would have thought Southampton next week and maybe Leicester uh, are ones, frankly, I would expect City to win fairly comfortably. But but you can't just take it for granted. Do you look at Arsenal uh, the way Paul's suggested maybe, that they're not quite as, you know, they're not on the same level as City or, or do you have any anxiety about them? Well, of course, we're, we're, we're what, eight points behind them. So, of course, you have to, you have to, I, I have a massive amount of respect for what they've done this season. I think um, the way we played yesterday, no one beats us. I, I think both of the guys have said that. It's we, we were unstoppable yesterday. If we play like that against Bayern Munich, we're going to have absolutely no problem whatsoever. Uh, but <clears throat> you can't discredit what Arsenal have done. This is a 38 uh, game season. And over the 
the what 20, 27, 28 games we've had so far, they've been the better team. And that's why they're eight points ahead of the top. Yeah, we've got a game in hand. And, you know, you can say they've got to go to Anfield, they've got to play Newcastle away, but we've got this game, we've got this game. It's going to come down to, for me, you know, you were talking about a couple of minutes ago, this this month being all these big games we've got. This month will decide our season because we've got the FA Cup semi-final, we've got Bayern Munich twice, which will decide whether we're going to play in the semi-finals and potentially further on in the Champions League. And we've got Arsenal. The game on the 26th, Still haven't got my voice back from yesterday, by the way. Um, <laughs> the game on the 26th, that will decide who wins the Premier League for me. I think if we went and beat them uh, and made a point, I think, you know, you look back to when, I think I made this point a, a couple of months ago in one of the podcasts. Um, you look back at when we played Liverpool and beat them 2-1 at the Etihad. That was the turning point. We were nine points behind. It looked like we were down and out uh, and we beat them. And that was the turning point. And so I think that can be a similar thing. I've got a massive amount of respect for what they, they've done this season. And if they were to go and win the league, I wouldn't have the hatred for it like I do when I, when I see Liverpool do it. Because I do have a massive amount of respect for Arteta. I've got a massive amount of respect for Zinchenko and for, for um, Jesus as well. But I, I don't know. I just think we are the masters at the 38 league games. And, and he's proved that. You know, we, we, I don't need to say that. He's done. He's won four out of five. This is potentially a fifth. He's absolutely he's proved that he can do that 38 game season. But at the moment, Arsenal have got our number. And, but, and as I say, yeah, they've been, they've been a bit lucky at times. But you name me a season that we've won the Premier League under Pep and beyond that we haven't had a bit of bit of luck. Every single champion gets a little bit of luck. That's how it works. But you can't discredit the football that Arsenal play because when you look at them in some of the games this season, maybe not, maybe not Leeds, but in a lot of the games this season, in the big games especially, they play really well. But you, but again, it comes back to the point you compare it to us. You know, if Arsenal, Arsenal not great in every single game, but if you look back at the 100-point the season or the 98-point season or, the, or last season, any season, we've had games where we've been rubbish, but we've won the game, and that's what champions do. How good are Arsenal, Andy? Very good. Very good. And it's... Listen, it, it, I hope it's close, and I hope it goes right down to the final couple of games, but we really are playing catch-up here um, because there was there's something... There was there was the the Bournemouth game. If they beat Bournemouth three nil, then it's a job done. To be two nil down and then get the goal in the ninety sixth minute, the way they did it, it's a game changer in your mentality and the strength within your group. And um, when we played them in the cup at home, and then they brought on three or four players at the end, and I remember saying in the I was doing the um, co commentary, and I said this is a this is the real deal. This Arsenal team, they are very 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 good. The only thing I felt they missed was an out-and-out out nine. I think if, if if Haaland had played for them when we played them and Enketia missed the two, three chances, I think they beat us. And I think it's, I think it's that close. Um, and um, I think it's a big ask for us. I think they're clear favourites, although I believe the bookmakers have got it closer than that. I think they're clear favourites at this moment in time. But as has just been said, you know, we are the masters over that period of time. And... When it comes to that real squeaky time, you know, they've never been there where well, we have. Um, and the Liverpool game, you know, the they got Chelsea at home, Brighton, who are a formidable team as well. So even if we if hadn't gone our way yesterday, I still wouldn't have said it's over 
because I still think there's points to be dropped. And I won't know until it gets to that tight in them big games. Listen, if they turn up and they go and turn over Liverpool away, and they turn over New, fair play. You know, it's your title, you've earned it. Um, but I could hear City fans and I could see their enthusiasm and what we've done in the past and how we do it. I'm not as confident. I'm a lot more confident in the Champions League than I am actually in the Premier League this year. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this because uh, it's, I, I prefer to talk about the football, but I'm going to mention the the chanting which City condemned, you know, always the victim chanting and the fact that there was a, a missile apparently that hit the Liverpool bus. Um, uh, you shut your head then, Paul. I mean, have you got a view on, on those two stories which <laughs> we're aware of? Um, so, well, a view on that? Well, yeah, I mean, what, what, what they actually, what, they call in the chanting. I mean, what what's the thing that they're, they're crying about this time? I mean, every time every time City play them, there's something that they cry about. You know, they're supposed to have allegedly had a missile thrown at the bus. I've not seen any footage of it. Apparently, City's released a statement. I, I, I've not seen it. I've not seen the footage and, and anything. So it's all hearsay as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, if if we were were actually directly chanting about an incident that had happened that I'm not even going to mention the name just to give it, you know, give it airtime. Um, we all know what we're talking about. We know what we're singing about. Um, and if they want to say that we're singing about one thing when we're singing about, how do they know what we're singing about? So are we going to stop? Are we going to ban singing all through it? There's nothing that any, any opposition fan has ever sung about City about anything. There's nothing that anybody's ever said to me on the terraces, shouting across to me, anything that I've felt like I need to go home and write about, I'm going to cry about, or I'm going to moan about. It's a game of football. We all go to, uh, we, we get different things out of a match day. Um, I get rid of a lot of pent-up stress. Um, you know, I, I work hard uh, and I like to, you know, get rid of my aggression and my stress on the terraces. I don't go around fighting. I get it out vocally. I shout things. I think, I think, I mean, if you, if you think about what you're doing at a football match, singing and clapping at a football, blokes running around kicking a ball. It's embarrassing. If you think about it, if you're analysing what a fan does on the terraces, you, you look at it and you say, oh my God, have I really just done that? But you do. It's spur of the moment. It's passion. Things are said. You know, how can they say that we, that you know, the the ground was singing about them, about a particular incident that happened when they've had another incident that they've been involved in, funnily enough, that caused a lot of trouble and a lot of grief and deaths as well. So, I I, I don't get it. I just think they're always they're always moaning about summit. Um, you know, you know, we've got we we know they threw things at our coach, and that's been proven. You know, if they're gonna. If they're going to tell us off for sort of singing something and they're assuming it's about one thing when we're singing about another, just let it rest. Just ignore it. you got Ahmed on the pitch and stop crying about it. It's simple as that. Toby, have you got a view on that? You know what? There's a great saying, and I quite like it, and it's people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And it, it applies to them perfectly. <laughs> Look... Whether whether what's what's said and what's done is right or wrong, um, you can't say you can't accuse us of doing what, in your view, is bad when you do it yourself. I mean, they are just as bad with the chanting and with the violence. The last time they came to the Etihad, 
a what 15 year old girl ended up with life-changing injuries that's physical that's not that's not voice that's a physical injury that's happened to an innocent 15 year old girl who all all she wanted to do was go and watch a football game and she's been injured by liverpool fans in the third in the third tier of our stadium and and you sit there and then they and then they go well you, you know the, the, the always the victim child. and you go whether it's right or wrong you, you can't you can't you can't be on two sides of this it, it, it honestly for me any sort I don't like fan violence at all I, I hated it when they threw when they attacked our coach before the Champions League tie however many years ago and I, I don't like it when it's from us either I don't like I don't like violence at all I'm not, I'm not that type of person uh, I get the tribalism in football we've had many discussions in many podcasts about that but <clears throat> the, the chant that those chants yesterday for me, I, I I personally don't think there was too much wrong with that. I think they they give their chance out and we give ours. It's a, as as Paul says, it, it's it's a game of football. We all go um, because we love our teams. We're tribal to our teams. We're passionate, and you know as long as we're not singing about those events um, that have happened, which you know I will agree that they're, they're awful things to have happened in the past. As long as they're not singing about that, in my opinion, I don't think it's, you know, they don't know what we're singing about when we go in all these victims. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, as I say, I, 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 I just think it's hugely hypocritical of them. Um, I, I can't, like, yeah, but, but that's, but everyone knows it. And, and, and this is the thing, no one, no one really rises to it from them because everyone knows that that's what the Liverpool fans are like. So I, I just, uh, if, if something was thrown at their coach from us, from one of our fans, then fair enough, that's not acceptable. But, the chanting, I, I, I don't understand why we're releasing a statement on that. I think that's ridiculous. Well, I'm not going to put Andy in a position because I know you do a lot of work for the club, but certainly as a player, you will have had, I'm sure, <laughs> I assume anyway, some chance either against you specifically or against the club. Does that does that bother you as a player? I mean, the fact that fans are chanting, does, do you hear it? Does it motivate you? Does it demotivate? How does it affect you? Um, I never. I never heard it, Ian. You know, um, I'm not avoiding the question, but when you're in the heat of the, the game, you're in the moment. You know, you you don't you don't hear anything. You know, there's almost a silence in there. It's it's strange. You know, you go into this kind of cocoon where all you can see is your own teammates and you hear them voices. It's like there's a silence around you. And um, so, no, it doesn't it doesn't affect. Listen, for fans, human beings, you have a responsibility to carry yourself uh, in, a, in a way that, you know, society deems acceptable. Uh, you cross those lines, football, it gets crossed, and then it's left when you leave the ground and it moves on because it will happen again at the next ground and it'll happen again and again. And you can't, you know, you can't sanitise a group of men when they're singing and they're in that moment. And it, 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 But if you choose to be offended by it, it'll be a reflection of the results, I guarantee you. It'll be down to the result. Because you leave there yesterday for one winner, you're not bothering about them things. Um, so, I just think I'm not saying what happens in a in a in a stadium stays there because you know we have a responsibility. Um, but I know what crossing the line is, and you know this stuff isn't not for me. Um, and as has already been said, you know if it's an incident that's happened with a with a coach, then it's been dealt with. It's you know the, the, it's been it's been mentioned whether you know, there's a statement that's been made by the football club and that's it. It'll be dealt with in time, but it's social media. It's just, it's relentless and it's so hard for football clubs. It's full, so hard for police. It's so hard for everyone to manage 
because of the power of social media, because you're off, you leave, as you're walking out of that ground, you're on your phone and you're already starting and you're building up this, you know, um, and you see where it goes so quickly. And then you come to the following night at seven o'clock, half past seven, and you're talking about it again. So social media, the power is incredible. I bet you're glad social media wasn't what it is now when you were playing, eh? I could listen. I used to, I used to look at the newspapers the following day to see what my score was, and that ruined my day. <laughs> I thought I got, a, I thought I got an eight yesterday, and the, the sun's given me a seven. That was me destroyed for two or three days. So imagine in this present climate. Oh my god, I'm a mental breakdown. <laughs> I remember talking to Chris Bailey about when he was reporting on the Manchester Evening News. He might, I don't know if it was him that was doing it when you were playing, Andy. Uh, obviously, I go back with a lot of different reporters uh, in terms of friendships, but players used to sort of look out for him, you know, after he'd given them a six or a five or something. And and then, oh, you know, yeah. you, I can just imagine you in your angrier moments, Andy, in the past, you know, sort of, I mean, two hands on his collars and lifting him up with his only little Chris Bailey <laughs> and saying, what was that five for? <laughs> Were you ever in that situation with him or anybody like that? We, when I was at Plymouth in the early days, we, the, the, the Sunday Independent used to do these five stars. And, you know, and nobody ever got a one star if you got one star you were the sheriff that was it you know <laughs> lads would get badges and come in and leave it at your place you know because that was the power that it had and I often think now how you know I'm not saying it was insecure but you were sensitive I really was sensitive to other people's opinions and I look at it now and I but the difference is they're educated now through their you know through the schoolboy as it is when they're in the academies they're educated in this and you know and I probably don't take any notice of it but we're human beings you know, and when these things are said, we, we, but I do think, you know, they do, they, they've been educated, had to stay away from it. But, you know, like I just said, thank God there wasn't social media in my playing days because I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I would have been a lot more upset than what I was. I've done a little bit of media training with players in the past myself, not for, for a while now, but I always felt very sorry for them because it is a minefield now. I mean, you know, it, I, I do um, a radio show which is about theatre and musicals and stuff like that. So I get to talk to actors. And when I'm talking to actors, there's no PR man. There's nobody sitting over my shoulder saying what you can ask. And they're able to talk quite freely about whatever they want because they know that because they're not as high profile, that if they say something that might be deemed slightly controversial, nobody's going to really pick them up on it. Whereas a footballer, who is playing for a top club, and which City clearly are one of those top clubs now, they've only got to say a sentence that can be slightly misconstrued, and it can be a headline all over the world. Mm -hmm. I don't have any... Uh, I have a lot of sympathy and, and, and a lot of respect for the fact that young men, you know, who can be 18, 19, 20, you know, who really haven't life experience like you and I have got Andy and even Paul you know in, in in the job that that he does you know we've got life life experience and you you hopefully can try and steer your way through these problems how do they cope how, how do those young players cope it's difficult you know because I think you know the media they they have a responsibility but they edit comments you look at Rodbridge comments after the Scotland game you know, he spoke about his respect for Scotland and the performance and the way they played to get a result. But he also added that at times it wasn't how he liked the game. That's all that was printed. 
and it, it you know it went viral across Scotland about what he said but it was a two and a half minute interview cut down that's the power they have to create a narrative to manipulate a they have a responsibility to it as well you know and um I noticed it again this week because I listened to the whole because I'm a Scotsman and I don't want him rubbish in Scotland but it wasn't <laughs> anything like that it wasn't that you know it was it was yeah. respectful and also praising the the courage and the way Scotland found a way to get a result that's not what they they portrayed and it's we all have a responsibility how we want things to come across and and sometimes I think um I think it's a little bit uh, you know not I wouldn't say it's clever but they know exactly what they're doing when they're trying yeah. to raise a bait. You know, I saw Pep's, <laughs> Pep's interview yesterday when the question was put on him about, I don't think he was even prepared for it. I don't even think the press officer was prepared for the question about when, you know, he was celebrating the goal. And he just looked perplexed as if to say, oh, I can't be bothered with this nonsense anymore. Yeah. Why are you asking me this? You know, we just won a game of football, but that's what they're at. That's what gets the clicks. That's what gets them in the, the public eye and, you know, and it won't change. This is the this is how things are now. This is where we're at. And again, more probably more education for footballers, protect the players more. We're always saying about we want to see the real footballer. We want to see who he is as a human being, not this robot. Well, then start treating them with respect. Stop trying to to stitch players up to get them to say something that'll you know come back to haunt them. Because I think all in all, I think the players, I think the staff, they all want to work with the press. They all want to be, but They've got to be so protected, and that's why they have press officers around them. And, you know, some of the questions are loaded. We don't get to see the real person very often, you know, but that relationship's got to work both ways. That's one of the reasons why I love doing something like this, the podcast, because I'll, I'll tell now anybody that's listening to this podcast that unless there's a, a technical glitch, we record it on Zoom these days, unless there's a technical hitch or somebody says something completely that they didn't mean to say, I never edit it. Uh, th th this goes out as if we've recorded a live programme in its entirety, which means that if you're listening to Andy or Neda Manure or whoever it might be that's been the guest on the show, you hear everything that they've said in the context that they've said it in. Now, I could um, take clips out of this and put it on Twitter or something like that. And I could, in theory, try and drive numbers by taking the most sent the very thing you're talking about, Andy, one little clip out of context to, to promote the podcast that might drive numbers. Now, fortunately, I have some sponsors, which obviously make all this possible for me. And they are they understand me in the way that I work and are not motivated for supporting me purely by numbers. So I'm not, I don't have this sort of uh, thing on my shoulder, either a producer in the days when I worked for big organisations, or even in terms of the sponsors saying, but your numbers aren't high enough. So there's nothing I need, to, I don't need to do this clipping a sensational soundbite to drive people and just hope people find what we do because of the quality of what we do and the, and the quality of the contributions that we have from people like Andy, which I'm always very indebted to. But the one thing I can always promise everybody that comes on this, whether they're a contributor uh, like um, Toby and, and Paul, or whether it's like Andy, who's played the game, somebody I really respect, that you will never be used in that way to try to drive numbers up. Uh, that's that's my promise, but that that's not something that necessarily exists as much as it once did, which is what you're saying. And and, and even you, Paul. I mean, you, you you understand. We've talked on 
European trips about this. You you know how it works, even though you work in a different industry. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, people will see this uh, and they comment. My, my comments I put on Twitter, um, they're always as honest as I can be. But even myself now, I'm starting to sort of write a tweet and then think about it and then delete it. Because I, I tweet from my business account. I don't, you know, I don't have a, a, a fake name, you know. So when, when I tweet, I am Prestige Car Repairs. So that's my comment. I've had, I've had death threats. Um, I've had people threatening to torch my garage, all because I've said something, um, you know, about Liverpool that they were rubbish at weekend. So going off that, I'll probably get some more on on the strength of it. I've had I've had them attack my business, try to um, leave um, poor reviews on Google, um, you know. So they, they tried affecting it that way. And this is all over a game of football, and my opinion of what I think about what I've just seen and all the rest of it. So, so even imagine I, being a footballer. Imagine being exactly, one of Exactly, absolutely, exactly. I mean, you, you look at Formula One as well, and they, they have a, a, a PA with them all the time recording every conversation. So if anybody says something, they can go back and say, no, hang on, he didn't say that. You know, so even Formula One get the same thing. And it, and it, 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 it really frustrates me because in future years to come, like you can get Andy to come to our, uh, supporters club and the chairman of a supporters club so you know I'd like to get Andy to come to that and he would do but can you imagine trying to get Sergio Aguero now to come to to see us can, you're not going to get him anymore because you know of the controversy that they might say something off the record if you like but somebody's got a mobile phone to record that conversation and off it goes on on Twitter so you know people moan that we can't get you know current players, if you like, start of the year supporters clubs. Well, that's one of the reasons why. And it's only because, you know, Andy now he can come out and, you know, and, and be himself. Um, and he's not in that public eye as much as he was when he was playing. So he can be more open and honest. But you're not going to get, you're not going to get people doing, modern footballers doing what Andy does and, and the other players that come on the year, uh, on the circuit, coming around to see the fans. You're not going to get it anymore. Just, just to be clear on that, okay? I am not coming out tonight, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're joking. We're all in the Connick Club waiting. <laughs> Toby, you're an aspiring journalist and you are, relatively speaking, at the beginning of your career. Um, and you are coming into journalism, whether it be broadcast journalism, whether it be written journalism or whatever direction you ultimately go in, um, knowing that the world is as it is now and trying to imagine what it must have been like in the old days when I could go down to Main Road or to Platte Lane and, and wait until a player came off the training ground. This literally was how it was. And just say um, to Kevin Horlock, whoever it might be, you know, have you, or Andy, you know, have you got a minute, um, Kevin? You know, can you can you speak to me? Yeah, of course. And sit there literally one-to-one with nobody else around and knowing that, his stuff was going to be represented fairly and, and building up a relationship with journalists. You're not going to have that privilege. So are you scared of, of the way it's going to go for you as a journalist in the future? Yeah, I, I think uh, most of the points that, that I was that I was going to make have already made, made by the guys, to be honest. I think it, it, it must be so hard as a footballer to, to live in this environment now. And, you know, we, 
people go well you know they earn 200 grand a week or whatever and and it's you know so so yeah they're, they're just well protected and and yeah okay they, they do earn a lot of money and and you know and, and some people would say it's not justified and yeah, okay maybe there is that point but it must be a lonely life at times when you've got all these journalists. I mean, the journalists nowadays, I think they 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 aim for those lines where they can pick out and put it as an as no because it's all about perception, isn't it? You take out it's a line. It's a numbers game. Of course it is. Of course it is. And and they're they're aiming. That's what they're at. They, they, they ask these baiting questions to get that little that little comment, which they can go, yep. Yeah. And it goes on and you put it on Twitter and it goes wherever and everyone clicks it it's clickbait you know it because because there's that little line and then you look at it in the context and actually it's not that bad but when you look at that little line that little sentence it's it's so it, it makes it look so bad i think um I, i've just seen um luke luke shaw um did an interview after the after the the game today and and he said that they were beaten by passion uh and you can take that little bit out, you could take that out of context and go well that does that mean man united, a journalist could go well does that mean man united don't have the passion that means they don't have the fight the desire and 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 it, you can take that a million different ways so you it must it, i mean as you say it's a minefield it must be like stepping on eggshells as to what you have to say like paul says um they have in formula one the pa next so i'm surprised footballers don't uh because there must be they must have to be so careful and so uh, precise in what they what they say. I wouldn't if I was a footballer. I wouldn't even want to talk to the press. Uh, I, I would just be like, I, I just because because you'd always be constantly worried. And you, it'd be like you, you walk. I feel like you walk away from an interview with a journalist. You no, know, as you say, you, you built in the in the in, when you know you, you've done it, Ian, where you build in that rapport. Days, in the olden days, you were going to say then, weren't you? <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I, I just thought I won't insult anyone. <laughs> it's been a good podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you well, you build that rapport with the player, uh, and it, you, you know, you, and so so you have that trust. So you 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 interview them that first time, and you might interview them again because they know that you're not going to go and take that line. But now there's there is none of that, so it is definitely a, a an overwhelming environment, is the way I think I'll put it. It's it's yeah, it, it's and it, it's very competitive as well, and. And it sort of begs the question, actually, do you, if, if, okay, you do that, if you do that, you're a, you're a bit of a, I'm not going to say that word, but no, you, 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 you do that, that sort of thing where you take the, the no context and yes, you might be successful, but no, no footballer will like you, no footballer will want to talk to you. But then on the other flip side of the coin, you, you, you like that, like you want to be, you know, you build that rapport, but then you'll get no interviews, you get no views because no one want to click on you. So where's, where's the winning? Where, where can you win as a journalist? Very yeah. true. I mean, this is a subject perhaps we can explore, or no doubt will, in the future. But we'll finish this podcast by leaving the last word to Andy, because you wouldn't not want to give him the last word, would you? Um, <laughs> given what what this this season still potentially has in store, Andy, what do you think City are going to come out with? Well, you know, well, listen, I've got to be respectful. Um, I think. Burnley are so far ahead of Sheffield United at this moment in time. And you look at what we did to Burnley. So this football will always throw up different problems, but you know, I'm going to stick my chest out and say we beat Sheffield United. And um, so we've got an FA Cup final to go to. You know, God willing, it's it'll be Manchester United get past Brighton because you know, I just I would just love that game. Um Champions League is knockout football, and I'm so mindful about every moment perfection 
Pep talks about perfection and every moment we have to be, whether it's a pass, every moment we've got to strive. We may not get there, but we must strive for it. Now you look at the, the game um, against Leipzig at 2-0, that moment for medicine could have been a game changer when he came out. It could have been in a different way. You know, you're down to 10 men. It, that can happen. So in knockout competition, there must be perfection in every moment. And that's why I, I've said it in the past, Ian, that if, if it's a league, okay, so you have the top 10 teams in, in, a, in a Champions League league, City win it every single season. We win it. But when it's knockout football, you saw what happened last year with Madrid. And um, so that's a, but I feel, you know, I just have a good feeling about it. I think the, I think it's for Arsenal to lose the title. I really do. Um, and it'll be interesting in the, in, in the weeks coming, how they perform under extreme pressure. I'm sure the manager will try and protect them from it, but that's easier said than done. Um, so everything to play for, you know, I see an FA, I, I do an FA Cup final. Um, I see it being run close but I think it's Arsenal's to lose. And if it's in the, if the universe aligns for us right, then it'll be our year. If it doesn't, it'll be as, as in the past. And, you know, um, but whatever said and done, you know, we, this season has been incredible because it's, it's, it's a bit of a transitional um, for me with people coming in. You nobody expected Haaland to do what he's done, hit the run, the the way, the way it's happened, you know, when we just look as players have left over the last few years, we're not, we're we're not allowed to be in a transition. Every other club seems to be in a transition. We seem to have to go from success to success to success. You look at Aguero, David Silva, Ferrandino, these players who have moved out and we seem to seamlessly just bring in other players. And um, yeah, it's everything to play for. Um, and yeah, we're going to do that. We're, we're going to do the treble. Let's stick a chest. <laughs> you can't say things like that. Uh, he can say whatever he wants. Uh, listen, Andy, it's, it's always a joy to have you on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Um, obviously, thanks very much to Paul and Toby. Thanks very much to Howard Solicitors in Stockport, Ashton and Cheshire. We specialise also in family law. So if you're going through a separation or you're having problems with access to your children or with social services, give them a call, see how they can help. I told you they can do all sorts. 0161872999 or email law at howardsolicitors.com. Uh, we'll do another podcast next week. Um, fingers crossed, Nicky Weaver will be with us. If not, we'll hopefully have another guest. Hard to imagine it'll be anybody as good as Andy, but uh, thanks very much, Andy, for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And to you, Paul and Toby. Um, and of course, we will do a podcast next week after the, the evening after the Southampton game. So have a great week. There is no midweek fixture for City this week. Uh, puff your chest out, just like Andy does. And, uh, you know, what a marvellous victory against Liverpool. Uh, but if you only remember one thing from this podcast, just remember this. Isn't it great being a blue? Thank <laughs> you.